0: Okay, you people sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning, and if we're not back by dawn, call the president.
1: Hey, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4 Presents Podstalgic, a film podcast on core temp arts. Wait a minute, wait a minute, are you telling me you built a time machine out of a podcast? Welcome back to another episode of Paul Stalgic. This is a movie podcast where we take a nostalgic look and rediscover movies new and old. And for this episode, we are going back to 1990 or uh, 1986, excuse me. And we are going to discuss John Carpenter's big trouble in little China and making his triumphant return. I think for what the fourth time now is uh, Stephen from Screen Addicts. Hey, Stephen.
0: Hello Peter, thank you having me again on the show. This is actually numero trace, number 3, my friend.
1: Uh we did a movie game. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Which you still need uh we need we need a redo, right?
0: I'm still I'm still uh tarnished from the loss that I took in that game. To remember how many times I've been on your show.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, I guess so. Number 4. But but I was just thinking as far as just straight Movie reviews, this will be number three, but technically speaking, yes, number four. I was trying to block that out because I lost. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so, you see, the other episodes you were on were uh, Howard the Duck and also Bloodsport. So uh, you're definitely one of my go-tos for some of these uh, 80s flicks. Um, so uh, for those that maybe missed those episodes, uh, can you talk a little bit about what you guys do as screen addicts?
0: oh yeah absolutely um again thank you for having me on and over at the screen addicts podcast me and my two other bros jeremy and chris we just go ahead and uh have a weekly show where we cover headlines for the week and just the stuff that we watched in the last week between recordings and um it covers movies television games just sports just pretty much anything that can uh you push play to and uh we uh, also have a main topic of each episode where we typically run off a list of, you know, our favorites, say, for example, uh, you know, baseball season's up. So we'll talk about our favorite baseball movies or something like that. Basketball finals are coming up. Favorite basketball movies. I know this seems sports oriented, but it's it's way more than that. We cover everything. Westerns, action, comedy, you know, rom-coms. We, we cover it all over at the Screen
1: Addicts. <laughs> You mentioned baseball. I kind of want to throw out a little shameless, uh, I don't know, pat on the back, I guess you can say. But, um, I recently just, um, t- took a picture with, uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas from the year of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Or, Is his arm still broke? <laughs> no, no, it's fixed now. Uh, but he did sign, okay, um, a, uh, a picture to me and uh, he wrote funky butt loving and signed his name. So he was a really nice guy.
0: That's awesome. Did you meet him at a convention or did you just run into him or something?
1: No, it was the uh, Wizard World uh, Portland Comic Con.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, how cool is that?
1: Yeah. So it, it was a little, I'm going to say it, it was a little underwhelming this year for me. Uh, I typically go, uh, go on Sundays because I can always count on having that day off. Uh, but I wanted to see three people and the first two were not there. Uh, the first one, Jason Momoa, uh, he was only <laughs> there on Saturday. The second one was Sean Astin. Uh, Goonies and mm-hmm. Man. Um, he was sick and didn't even come out to Portland. So that kind of sucked. Uh-huh. And so I saw Thomas he, and Nicholas, you know, I, 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 do like the American pie movies and then obviously a kid in King Arthur's court and Rick mm-hmm. uh, rookie of the year. So, uh, so that was mm-hmm. uh, nice to see him. Um, I know we got uh, a few months to go, but, uh, I'm pretty excited to, uh, to attend the Rose City Comic Con coming up in September. You're going to have, uh, Ralph Macchio and William Zapka.
0: Oh, promoting that Cobra Kai. Yeah, so
1: I I hope to see them uh, maybe get a photo op with the two of them. And uh, and also Val Kilmer is also going to be there. So, yeah, they're they're taking it back um, to the 80s for sure.
0: You know, and these conventions have been blowing up quite a bit all over the country. You know, my wife actually just came back from Spooky Empire, which is held in Orlando every, um, I I guess – you know march april and october and it's specifically hor- uh, uh centered around the horror genre and um you know they always usually have pretty good panels um as far as movies you know you always see characters from friday the 13th nightmare and elm street you know she's met candy man she's met uh, tony todd you know uh wow. tom savini we got to meet george romero and nice you know Especially since he's gone now, it's it's always nice to say, oh, well, well, we were in the same room as George, you know, not too long before he passed. And I uh, I got to meet one of my uh, childhood crushes, Nev Campbell, because wow, look at you. she was doing the uh, Scream convention that year with Matthew Lillard and uh, Skeet Ulrich. So uh, those those things are pretty cool, you know, and, and, and you get put in a situation where you don't have to – I mean, you still get a little bit nervous, but – you know, it's not like you see them on the street and you run up to them. Hey, can I take a picture with you? Because they could be, you know, they have every right to just kind of, you know, put you off here. But at the yeah. conventions, they're more than willing to take pictures with you because that's kind of what they're there for. You know, they're there to interact with you. So it's, it's a lot more friendly that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I, I still had fun nonetheless. Uh, it's just unfortunate I wasn't able to see everyone I wanted to. Uh, but for those that are maybe tuning in to this episode for the first time, you've never listened to Paul Stalgic, um, you know, I did cover all four credit Kid movies. Uh, I think it was last year with Tom from uh, Jake and Tom Conquer the World. So uh, Cobra Kai will be uh, covered as well in the near future. Uh And also, I mentioned Val Kilmer. I also covered Real Genius. Uh, and somewhere in my back catalog, uh, I did an interview with Gabriel Jarrett, who played Mitch uh, in Real Genius too, and talks uh oh, talks nice. about his time on there. Oh, and also he had a cameo in uh Karate Kid Part 3, so it all goes back to that. So, perfect. perfect. All right. So, uh let's see Big Trouble in Little China. This came out uh summer of 86. The other movies that came out the same weekend, uh tell me if you heard any of these. Uh let's see, about last night.
0: Oh yeah, Rob Lowe and Demi Moore. Um, that's actually one of my uh favorite plays written by David Mamet. It was adapted by one of his plays, Sexual Perversity in Chicago. Yeah, when I was in college, we uh I, I tried to submit doing a uh I guess a paired scene, and it came from that play, Sexual Perversity in Chicago, and it was basically doing the Jim Belushi. Uh, role with Rob Lowe where they're talking about a sexual conquest that turned into a very scary situation. It's very funny. It's, it's a little, it's a little uh, risqué if you will. But, um, but about last night was the adaption of that play. And I guess a lot of people remember that one as just being the one where you just see Rob Lowe and Demi Moore go at it for pretty much the entire movie. And, huh. you know,
1: interesting. Okay. I, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if I ever check that out. But uh, it,
0: it's actually pretty good. Yeah? I mean Jim Belushi's funny. Elizabeth Perkins plays her friend who just hates men and uh but rightfully so she's been in bad situations, but it's 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 pretty good.
1: Uh yeah, the love interest from Big. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh let's see here. The um what came in second that weekend, the Great Mouse Detective, uh, which I think a lot of us know what that one is. Um, Cycle Three came in, in third.
0: Hmm. okay
1: you know i i actually own i think was it is it the the four movie set i I feel there's four Mm of them Uh, i've only seen the first one i haven't seen two three and four and i only got it because it was actually like dirt cheap
0: yeah it it usually works out well that way i I bought uh the lawnmower man one and two in a double pack because it was three bucks (laughs) (laughs) used so i'm like I want to watch the first one, but hey, the second one comes with it. Eh, why not?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because I owned the um, the first one in Blu-ray, and I, I think mm. actually two, three, and four might have been like standalone, just by themselves on a DVD. I was like, all right, why not? Um, Sounds about right. The Big Trouble in Little China came in the fourth, so it. Uh, I think a lot of people who are fans of this movie know that um, you know it was a box office failure. So mm. very unfortunate, but you know it's got its cult following, and you know um, a lot of people still love it. And the number one song that came out uh, at the time of this movie's release was "On My Own" by Patti LaBelle and Michael McDonald. Oh wow!
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was definitely the (laughs) mid-eighties. Michael McDonald. Yeah, I think he uh, rose back to prominence in the 40-year-old version when they kept showing his uh, concert video there at the store over and over again. But uh other than that, man, that guy hadn't been around in a really long time.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that song, it actually it looked like it did well. Um It was number one for three weeks. And so, uh-huh. let's see, what was the, was it Howard the Duck, where, was it Sledgehammer was on that one, I, I feel, on that episode?
0: Uh, the Peter Gabriel sledgehammer. Yeah yeah, 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 that sounds
1: that sounds right. I, I that think that was part of the Duck right. episode that you were on. Yeah. I, so this is uh, it came out roughly around the same time, uh, is mm-hmm. what I'm getting. Yeah, eighty six. Yeah, eighty six. So, huh? the same year. All right. So uh, let's get into this now. Um, what uh, what history do you have with Big Trouble in Little China?
0: The history of Big Trouble in Little China. Oh boy, I. Uh... I mean, I grew up watching the movie because I would seek out anything ridiculous and fun. And uh, it it seemed like John Carpenter was producing movies at the time or directing movies at the time that were very catered to my tastes, if you will. It's just different, bizarre, unusual. And I think a lot of that, like you said, he was a filmmaker that was just that seems so not necessarily subversive, but just. So different that people didn't really know how to take his stuff, you know, and it like, for example, Big Trouble Little China, I, you know, as a matter of fact, all of his movies as a whole, I don't think that with the exception of Halloween, even in even adjusted for inflation, I don't think any of them ever made over 100 million dollars. You know, he, he never really was making big numbers at the box office. I think his sales came in video cassette rentals. And you know later on home video and I think that's where he built his credibility up as this you know uh, cult director if you will I know I know Halloween was a massive success for him and his first outing out but you know movies like Escape from New York which also had Kurt Russell and you know movies like that like The Thing, The Fog I don't really think that it was really pulling on people's emotions or, or what they like until much later on and Big Trouble in Little China was like that and I remembered when I was a little kid. Well, I guess I, guess I wasn't too old. I was about 10, 10 or 11. I wanted to see it because I had heard that it was really cool. And I mistook it for Showdown in Little Tokyo <laughs> <laughs> with Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren. So I guess maybe I was older than... No, I was about right. I was about 10 or 11. So, you know, I convinced my mom. I was like, um, she's like, yeah, you, I can watch it because it's PG-13. Because it is. It is a PG-13 movie. But Showdown in Little, little Tokyo is not PG-13 it's a pretty hard R rated movie so I'm watching it and I'm thinking wait a second this isn't at all what I uh this isn't right this doesn't even have Kurt Russell in it and then of course it's got Tia Carrere in those bathtub scenes and I'm just wow I'm getting an education with this movie <laughs> but <laughs> so I, you know obviously I didn't not watch the movie I didn't want to waste a rental you yeah, know but not. uh But, you know, so I watched it and then I went back and uh, I said, oh, Big Trouble in Little China. This is a showdown in Little Tokyo. Big difference there. So uh, got the right movie. And I mean, it's funny because I love sci fi fantasy. I love martial arts movies. And basically you just blend that together. And that's what this movie is. It's just it's just so much fun. And. I mean, how are you going to try and be overly critical about a movie like this? I mean, it's it's a genre film. It, it's 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 just a hybrid of genres, and you, you, there's nothing to do but just have fun with it. I don't, I don't know why people would be so overly critical about something. It's like I just recently watched Rampage, you know, the new movie with The Rock, mm-hmm. and you know, people are like overly critical about the movie, and I'm watching it thinking this is delivering exactly what it says that it's going to it's just a bunch of overgrown monsters fighting and wrecking havoc like what else are you expecting from this you know but that may not be the best example but big trouble in little china you know i just i love the characters i i love kurt russell even to this day i don't i i can't really i'd have to think hard about certain roles that he's done that i didn't care for um, because I love him in pretty much everything. And at the time he's coming off a of snake Pliskin, He's coming off of these like somewhat tough action characters. So for him to play kind of the, the goofy oaf, Jack Burton, who isn't the hero, he's, he's not so clean cut. It was great, you know, and, and it's just, I love this movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is so good. I mean, I'm definitely uh, piggybacking on a lot of the things that you said. Uh, This is a movie that my brother and I, we grew up watching, and we watched it um, a lot, actually. Uh, This is definitely that cliche that I wore out the tape, you know, the VHS uh, tape. We did own it. Um, You know, for me, like, I don't think I knew it at the time, but perhaps, you know, another uh cherry on top, you know, for this movie is there were a lot of people that looked like me on the screen, you know, Jack Burton yeah. um, played by Kurt Russell, who was an up and coming actor at the time. I mean, you you go back and read like some of the other people they wanted, you know, Jack Nicholson, Clint Eastwood. Um, They ended up going with Kurt Russell, even though he was just starting to kind of, you know, come into his own. But he takes a back seat. You know, Wang Chi is kind kind of the lead. You know, David Lopin has yeah. a very big role. Um, Uncle Chu, you know, like every, like all the Asians in here speak pretty good English. You know, I'm, I wasn't yeah. used to that. And so I don't know if that was it, but you know, obviously it's a mystical, you know, fantastical, fantastical. Is that a word? That's a word. And, um, it is now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like to make up words here. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of different things. Uh, Kim Cattrall, you know, I, uh, I covered Mannequin. Uh, I am a fan of her. You know, I, I actually, yeah. uh, wish that maybe she could have been Jennifer Parker 2.0. You know, like Elizabeth yeah. Shue was always going to be Chris from Adventures in Babysitting or Allie with an Eye from The Craddy Kid. Um, sure. she was never my Jennifer Parker. So I think Kim Cattrall could have been that. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, it, I, I can't say it's like a great cast of, uh, people because, I mean, let me see the egg chen like we, we we all know him from a lot of different movies but other oh, victor than that wong. V- victor wong thank you um yeah, i love victor wong uh james i mean, hong, three no, th- james hong right yeah
0: yeah james hong his so, low
1: yeah th- th- that's mm-hmm. pretty much it
0: well these are genre actors too you know they they, they it, it's you know it seems like hey if you need a uh an asian actor to play this role you know we have these guys and but it's also one of those things too, where they're really good. Like I don't ever feel like as if any of the roles that they've ever t- taken were. I mean, some may seem stereotypical in in certain regards, but they're such good performers that they elevate what they're given. You know, and and like Victor Wong, for example, that guy was in you know Three Ninjas and Tremors. You know, I mean, he's in Tremors. Like, what an odd film to be in, but he makes it his own role, and it he's not very stereotyped in that film and i think that's something good and there's an actor oh i wish i i should have written his name but in in big trouble in little china it's the it's the man who's really good at martial arts he's bald but the has bald the one. mullet and the mustache like almost like fu manchu mustache yeah he's the, in the little guy. every yeah. action movie ever made in the 80s he's in die hard he's in this he's if if you need a bad guy He's your bad guy. He's one of the the final fights in rapid fire with Brandon Lee. And he's fantastic. Like he's just so physically diverse that he's just, it's great. And you know, I, I like how a movie like that, you know, it speaks to you on a personal level like that because John Carpenter, he could have very well made a movie that was just, you know, straight formulaic action flick. But by crossing these, these, you know, ethnic territories it allows to showcase some some different range of actors and you know and you know and it puts them in a very crazy situation sure but i don't know i just i i do like the fact that and i was surprised too like how you said wang he's the he's the real hero he's the one fighting he's the one that knows all the all the martial arts he he's the one who knows the mysticism of these uh of these villains and he, he, you know and uh, and Jack Burney's just the dummy there that's <laughs> oh, I'm here to help if I can, you know. Well golly gee, you know, just like he's just so it's just such a great mix. And um and James Hong, man, that guy too, he's he's something else. As far as Lopan goes, you know, I know um my wife and kids don't realize this, but I actually quote Lopan a lot. And like for example, whenever um whenever you first see him and and or Jack and Wayne see him for the very first time. And he acts like he can't hear him. And he makes that like, ah, uh-huh. you know, yeah, that, yeah. like that, ah! you know, I always do that to my wife and kids whenever they like tell me or ask me something and I don't hear, I'm like, ah, like, just like low does. And, and what else does he say that I used to quote it all the time? Oh, whenever, um, He's he's talking about his plan to Jack and, you know, like the, the global domination thing. And he's like, oh, let me guess. So you could do this, this and this. And then he's like,
1: indeed. You know, he's like, <laughs> so giddy. Indeed.
0: Oh, my God. I, I loved how he talked in that movie. I just I loved his character. And I'm sorry, but Egg Shin. Yeah, he could totally take out Dumbledore. His sorcery powers are on point in this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's got like some some type of like Chinese force you know it's like yeah. the chinese version of the force it, it's it's pretty amazing uh that that eh part that um my brother and I we'd laugh so hysterically when that come on we would rewind it and watch it again <laughs> yeah. and just crack up you know I, I i wish I, we had the 50 sec- 15 second back button at that time but just
0: oh yeah yeah you know what i think i'm going to do i'm going to go find the audio file of that and make it my new text tone text because tone, i yeah. just i could just hear that all the time and i still say it i still do i'm like ah you know just i love that and I don't know why. It's like you, you said it, it's just whatever you think is funny is funny. I don't know. And um but yeah, low pan. And there was just so many uh visuals in this movie. Like for example, the the alleyway fight scene. Yeah. It, it was so well choreographed and it didn't look, you know, hokey. It looked like they took their time to do it. It, it kind of reminded me of uh, uh the warriors in the bathroom scene when they're fighting the guys on the roller skates and stuff. Okay. and just perfectly choreographed. The cameras are in the exact place that you need it to be in for the best possible shot. And you know, then the Raiden trio comes in there and just, uh, I just love this movie. Oh, and that was another thing too. I always, uh, if I ever had a truck, <laughs> I don't know that. why, I, I i don't know why I would ever have a truck, but if I ever decide to, you know, feel all butch or something by a truck, I was going to name it either. Um, Lincoln Hawk from Over the Top, or the
1: Pork Chop Express. <laughs> I think you'd have to go with the Pork Chop Express. <laughs> I think so,
0: too. I mean, it, it might depend on the truck, too. But uh, but yeah, the Pork Chop Express. And then, you know, on the front grill, it's got <laughs> the hauling ass <laughs> on the front. It's just, man, I, I don't know. I just I always love that. It's just so funny. Yeah. And does it ever talk about what he's hauling? What is he even hauling in that thing?
1: I don't think that ever comes up.
0: I don't think so either. I, I now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like pork chop expert. Maybe he's just like, you know, moving food products or something. I don't. I don't know. I always thought like fortune cookies or something. I don't know. Yeah,
1: it could be like s- some sort of Chinese food because like what I've kind of gathered on this rewatch, it's you know he is friends with Wang Qi, but that's mm-hmm. about it. Like they're not homies. They don't go out and hang out. Right. It's like any time Jack comes through he would stop and see wang that that's that's what yeah. i've gathered you know like they the first time we see them together they're um they're gambling right they're playing some mm-hmm. sort of uh chinese game and so this is where we get like all in the reflexes right so mm-hmm. so that pays off later um this cold open i kind of forgot about it you know so egg chen is hiring a lawyer i guess and mm-hmm. I read that um, the reason for this particular scene is because the lawyer, he asked, hey, where's Jack Burton? You know, um, his truck is missing or something like that. I guess th- they wanted to make Jack look a little bit more like a hero, too, you know, so that mm-hmm. he, he wasn't forgotten about. But they don't even go back to that scene, too. Like, they they just do it in the very beginning.
0: That is true, right? Because it ends with Jack leaving and then that final reveal of the monster coming out of the chop Express and... Yeah, that is a good point. I never even really thought about that, but I guess it is to establish the fact that hey, we've got our you know a lister Kurt Russell in the lead here. Let's uh, not forget that he's a big deal of this, and and yeah, I guess because Egg is also talking about how well Jack Burton is a hero. He's the true. He's a real right. hero here. You know, I, yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, that makes that makes sense.
1: Yeah, they're, they're really playing up his character, but and I I wonder how long he's known Wang because. Um, so they're on their, their way to the airport and Wang is talking about, uh, this girl, Miao Yin, who's, who's mm-hmm. coming from uh, China. You know, it's, are, are they just, is it fiance or boyfriend, girlfriend?
0: Well, he said they, if I can remember like that he's known her his whole life and then they're set to be married. I don't okay. know if it's an arranged marriage, but they are, he did say that. So technically fiance I mean, then. Yeah.
1: Fiance. Yeah. Because he's talking about her. He's really head over heels about her. And this is one part that I've I've never caught before. But Wang says the bottle wouldn't slice, probably because the spirits is like north and south, you know, just like he's he's going crazy because like she's coming finally, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but but Jack Burton gives him this like this look, like you kidding me? The spirit, like I don't know, he he seems very like he doesn't believe in any any.
0: Very pessimistic about the whole thing, yeah, about, I, yeah, yeah.
1: Feng Shui, Zen, like any of like the Chinese culture type stuff. Like he just, yeah. uh, he might as well have rolled his eyes, basically.
0: Yeah, he's he's very dismissive of the whole concept of these sorcerers and traditions and <laughs> curses and stuff like that, and you know, floating eyeballs.
1: <laughs> that that's super random where that came from, but you know, yeah. it's it's fine. I, I guess you know once you go beneath. The, uh, you know, the, um, underground, that's where like anything can happen. It's basically its own world. Uh, but this, uh, let's go to the airport. So we meet Gracie Law. All we know is she's trouble for no reason, but she, you know, shows up later on in the movie. Um, but she's there to pick up a girl who we find out is Tara. I guess she's protecting her civil rights somehow, but that's also a dropped plot mm-hmm. point. And then there's this gang, this trio They They kidnap Miao Yin so I guess I kind of misremembered that I thought that this gang was part of like working for David Lepin, but that's not the case. They were just stealing girls for the brothel, right
0: right, right at the airport
1: you know, <laughs> <laughs> i mean,
0: they get right to work, yeah, you know, they, they do. waste no time, was it the Lords of death the lords of death the the Lords of death they uh yeah they they definitely <laughs> oh she's pretty, she's. Has green eyes. Let's go ahead and take this one while we can. <laughs> They're like,
1: Hey, I feel, uh, we need another, we need a new girl. So let's grab that pistol and let's, um, I don't know. Let's go to the airport today. And there's usually a lot of people at the airport. We'll take somebody there. I just, Boy, I, how
0: times have changed.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have. Um, but I thought this was cool. You know, like we see, um, Jack Burton tried to step in, right, uh, at first. And then this guy pulls out, a, a, like, a butterfly knife and also something like a baton, you know, like, yeah. or something. And it's kind of a cool scene. Like, uh, Jack is intimidated. You see, he's kind of like, ah, may- maybe I shouldn't have stepped in.
0: I'm out of my element here already. Yeah, that that's true. And, it, for their stab- and he gets beat up. Like, yeah. he pretty much gets his ass kicked the entire movie, which is pretty rare for a guy who just came off playing Snake Plissken. <laughs>
1: He uh, he got his legs swept.
0: Yeah, he did. <laughs> and I wonder if the Lords of Death were trained. The by Lords Cobra of Kai Death probably, were by the Cobra Kai. <laughs>
1: perhaps you know they're in San Francisco. I don't know how far. Where was Daniel from? Reseda? Reseda, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe it's in the area.
0: Maybe they'll show up at the
1: uh, Cobra Kai show. <laughs> they might. They might be the new senseis. <laughs> um so they go on the jack jack and wang go on this chase after the gang and they find themselves in the alley that you mentioned and uh, there's these two gangs um i didn't even write down their name but there's two opposing gangs one yellow one red it kind of reminded me of like sector and Cyrex really um mm-hmm. and there's a funeral but what was weird is where did they get all the guns from i mean they're in the middle of like a funeral procession so I thought this was weird. We saw David Lopan, you know, he gets run over by Jack. Right. But uh very interesting. See, like earlier you were mentioning this, uh, this very uh, sequence and you know, the choreography and all that stuff. I did read that that particular area, they kind of added on to certain buildings to make it higher and stuff. So that way when they're shooting from certain angles, they didn't have to like, you know, um like for example, if it's like some somebody's jumping up in the air. They can kind of aim upwards and you'll still get like the buildings in the background and stuff to kind of, um, you know, just to add more depth to the scene, so I, I kind of d- dig that, and um, yeah, it's a it's a great fight scene.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, and it's it's just nonstop too. And I, you know, you don't know where it's gonna go, and then the Raiden trio shows up, and just like I always loved how one of those guys, I don't, I couldn't ever remember their names. They don't really have.
1: They do have like, names. It's um th- thunder, rain, and lightning. That's it. Yeah, and they are called oh, the three storms. Yeah, the Three Storms, I think is what they're called. Wow.
0: I never picked up on that after all these years. But, yeah, that makes perfect sense, Thunder Rain and Lightning. Because <laughs> I love how the one guy just pretty much rides the lightning bolt like it's a fire pole. I, I always thought that was so <laughs> awesome, you know. And i was like, wow, that, that's pretty convenient form of transportation. But, uh, yeah, I just... I love this movie.
1: (laughs) I want to see a movie with them, you know, like uh, they are pretty cool and it's funny. Like, I don't know how long into the episode we are, but we haven't even mentioned how like this was a big inspiration to Mortal Kombat. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you you mentioned Raiden, but you know, like Mm -hmm. obviously this inspired that. um, I wish that they could have used like a similar uh, hat, you know, that, that they are Mm -hmm. wearing in this movie. than the old rice picker hat that, uh, (laughs) you know, it's a little stereotype, but.
0: That's true. And then Kung Lao, but his had a blade on it. So I guess they were trying to more okay. or less like modernize that. it. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kung, Kung Lao. Yeah, I can see that.
0: And I guess, you know, Liu Kang could have been Wang, you know. Oh, like absolutely. Liu Wang.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the guy who plays um Lightning, he kind of reminds me of like Ho Sang Pak, who played like the original Liu Kang too in the first two uh, uh, Mortal Kombat games. And sure, sure. we also have like uh let's see, Miao Yin, she kinda reminds me of Katana a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. You cover her face up and uh give her the fan that Egg Shen uses later on. You know, right, so right. uh Shang Tsung is your David Lopan. Uh in two different versions. They're they're both him, you know. So mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of similarities. And even down to the music a little bit too, like John John Carpenter's uh score, you know, it, I I can kinda hear you know some influences to like the the background music in Mortal Kombat. You know, just kind of very simple. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, the music that that this is kind of like taking it back to when we talked about Bloodsport. You oh, know yeah. the the that synthesizer man. It's just a work of art in the eighties. It just you know you're you watch that movie today and you see you hear that music and it just pretty much pinpoints the decade that it came out in just basically by the sound effects and the musical score. And I mean, I know that they, they try to influence some of that still today, but man, it's just such an iconic sound. You can't duplicate that sound. And like, I was listening to a song on the, uh, like some 90s song on my Spotify playlist with my kids. And I was just telling them, it's like, man, this song is so nineties. It just, the sound, the, the, the production of it, it just, it just, plucked right from that decade and just much like this movie you know this whole the soundtrack i guess you know carpenter was pretty good about that because actually he was really good about that because every single one of his movies it, it picks up on that kind of eerie you know kind of like a creepy type of i mean style because that's what it all comes down to is him he, he loves his horror genre and he likes to kind of influence that in his musical scores but um Because even Escape from New York was like that. His score for that was very intense and kind of scary at times. Because that's what you felt like when Snake's running around trying to hide out from all these crazy bloodthirsty murderers and stuff like that. But I I guess the musical influence could be set there too. I I guess you could almost say uh, Jack Burton is kind of like a Johnny Cage-esque as far as personality maybe. (laughs) I know it's a (laughs) reach. Right, right. He has yeah, no yeah. fighting ability whatsoever. Right. <laughs> but that little arrogance, you know, he he could be that, and and you know maybe Grace Gracie, she could be uh, like Sonia. Maybe no, I, that's no, that's no, too not hard. even.
1: I mean, but but we do know Johnny Cage was actually more based on the um you know Jean Claude Van Damme in, in Bloodsport. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, um, you mentioned the music and how it kind of like takes you back to like maybe this particular decade aside from like maybe some of the hairstyles but can you think of anything else that kind of dates this movie like i i feel it's almost and i'm using that word loosely but it's almost timeless like i i can't i don't i don't feel like it's dated like obviously everybody looks a lot younger than they do now you know kurt russell's you know 30 plus years older than he was in this movie but mm. i feel I, I don't know like i i don't think it's as it feels as dated as bloodsport did
0: no, no, I don't think so either. I, I mean, there's certain things with that you could take away from the special effects that that put it in its time because mm. it, it deals a lot with practical effects. But then when they go into like the um, the mystical aspect of their powers, you know, they deal with a lot of lights and lightning, and you know, the CGI generated for those type of things were pretty. Um, you know, pretty early in their phases. So it, I don't think it looks bad by any means. I think it actually looks really good and it's really well done. But um, the monsters, for example, it it's almost as if John Carpenter was thinking, hey, we've got some leftover monsters from filming the thing. So let's put that in this movie somehow, because I love how these creature feature effects are looking. So, you know, that's where you get that weird eyeball that, you know lopan uses to communicate with people and then that that weird wolf monster you know i am sure it has a name somebody's probably named him but um i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i'm surprised that it get all electric and stuff or baraka or something i don't know baraka
1: yeah baraka's a great grandfather
0: (laughs) yeah exactly so i don't know Hmm. but I, i i still think that the movie holds up very well um especially when people are really into sci-fi fantasy nowadays like hokey stuff like or people that would consider this hokey or campy then it's kind of part of the norm now so you know i think if it comes out today it's probably more of a hit and um
1: well we'll get to that towards the end of the show because yeah you you know that supposedly there's a remake in production
0: yeah, that's what i heard with Dwayne. yeah
1: yeah, Dwayne Johnson. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that at the end there. Cause I, I definitely want to get your thoughts on some things. Um, we get some exposition about this whole war, you know, some backstory from, um, Eddie, you know, one of, uh, Wang's friends and also Uncle Chu. And I think it's really funny cause I mentioned it earlier. Like, um, Wang mentioned that Gracie is trouble. Here she comes mm-hmm. walking into, I don't know. I don't even know where they're at. Are they at like, Uncle Chu's restaurant or something? But, they, she walks in, and even Uncle Chu is like, "What is Gracie Law doing here?" It's yeah. Like, so I don't even get the sense like she's any type of trouble. Like they just keep saying that she is.
0: It seemed like they were all roommates or something, you know? And, and it just seems funny because they seem like they live there, and they all just kind of
1: they keep reconvening there, like
0: yeah, yeah. They, they congregate there or something. I don't know. It just seems like. Like clearly she, and is she a reporter? No, she's, she's trying Mongo to get the is. story for, yeah, for yeah. the reporter. So I don't know, like I maybe she's in the, she lives in the area and she just gets kind of swept up in all of this, all of these urban legends or something like that. I don't know. It didn't really establish who Gracie was on just her a own. Lawyer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and then, or like what her motives are or what she's doing. and, I don't know. It, it just seems really odd how well they all know each other and f- without explanation. But that's kind of this whole movie altogether. That That's one, I guess, complaint that I may have with it is the fact that there seems to be this long, rich universe worth of storytelling that you only get in the span of, what, a day? Is this, yeah. I mean, is this even more than a day, 24 hours? Uh, it, it might be.
1: It, it might be Maybe a days. two
0: days. But yeah. it just seems like this massive great war is taking place and we're supposed to understand it and, you know, the motivations of all the characters and what they're supposed to be accomplishing. And I'm like, man, and that's it, you know, but I guess you're seeing it from Jack's perspective, too. Right you know, he gets tossed into this situation that's been going on for a really long period of time. He's just trying to collect the money that's owed to him by Wang. And he's even like, you know what? Keep your money. I'm just getting the hell out of here.
1: And and (laughs) And, that's the only reason that he tags along is because like Wang owes him the money, but it's from gambling. So it's not even anything like real debt, really. It's just like winnings (laughs) that he is owed. Uh, So I think that's funny. That's his motivation to kind of stay on. But, you know, you throw in Gracie Law. Now, now we're talking. I guess you know. So I, I guess I could kind of see it.
0: He's very keen on her, um, for sure. And he even sneaks in some kisses and stuff. It's just really funny. There, I thought they were pretty good together too. Their, their yeah. dynamic was very comical. It was, uh, it was kind of playing on that like, um, you know, opposites attract thing that Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner did so well in *Romancing the Stone*. You know, where one's kind of a brute while the other one's a little bit more classy, but yet they somehow find love aside from their differences and stuff like that
1: so there's a scene where they go to the brothel and that's where they're supposed to get meow Yin. and Mm -hmm. while they're there it's called like the white tiger or something like that Mm -hmm. um this is where we like meet Margot. she's a reporter she wants a story she doesn't seem like i I think she just wants her big break really yeah not very confident this woman but Mm -hmm you see Miao Yin and she gets kidnapped yet again, but this time by the three storms. So it's like twice in one day or twice in two days. I I don't know.
0: She's having a bad trip already.
1: (laughs) She She really is. Just just because she's got green eyes. That's it. Like, she must think, well, this is what America's like. Wow. (laughs) Yeah,
0: she's going to have a bad (laughs) opinion of the States after this trip.
1: Um, I want to see the the sequel where uh, she decides not to marry Wang or actually forces him to go back to China with her.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then they just follow him there. (laughs) But, you know, I, I did think that it was funny how it did set you up for the next... I mean, and that's a lot of what this movie is. It just pretty much takes you from one set piece to the next. And, you know, you're in the alleyway, then you're at the house and then you're at the brothel. And then you're at, uh, back to the, Lopan, back the house again, back to the house. And then and you end then up, you go to low pan, fortress or whatever you want to call it. Uh, underground lair. If the, you hidden, will. Fortress the hidden fortress from the hidden fortress. There you go. See, <laughs> Shang Dude. Shang's tower or something. I don't know. But, um, I mean, and then it pretty much the whole movie or the rest of the movie is taking place there. And, uh, but yeah, it's just, again, you know, you have to go through Jack's perspective and he was really, I thought what was so funny about the brothel scene is how like, what a what a showman he turned out to be or what a what a great member of the team when he's dressed up all goofy and dorky like you know he's like well gee whiz i gotta tell you you know (laughs) like how would jack know how to act that well you know he just seems like kind of a lug but then again he could be a con man who knows how to play up kind of altering your identity a bit to get out of a situation so
1: i feel that's how con men are yeah just like him too actually yeah
0: and, and i just i just I think that part is just so funny and it further establishes the comical, the uh, comical aspect of the character, you know, and I I just think (laughs) it's just, it's just great. He's like, you know, I, uh, I, I'm really keen on a girl with green eyes, you know, just like as obvious as he could get with it, you
1: know, like, like, oh, Funny you mentioned that because we literally just brought one in today. Yeah, you know, exactly. let, let me go get her for you. Like that's not suspicious at all.
0: <laughs> and then she was even like, uh, "Asian girls do not have green eyes," or she says something like that. And he's like, "Oh golly, gee, I, that's a bummer." <laughs> you know, just just playing it up. But you know, that's just Kurt Russell. He can get away with doing stuff like
1: that. He was pretty good. Uh, we we were talking uh, briefly about the um, uh, Lopans' fortress. There, I I like the scene where um, Jack and Wang they go into like that elevator and it fills them with water, mm-hmm. and then when they come out, they're swimming through like skeletons that were like hanging and stuff and
0: hooked on those chains, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah really really weird.
1: Um, I do like uh like the the next scene where like they're tied up in the wheelchair and then they meet old uh, David Lopan. Oh yeah, and so... that's
0: the infamous. Uh... Uh, eh? the uh, <laughs> ah? yeah, <laughs> ah? and then, and then of course, indeed, oh, I, I love that. I I don't know which one I'm going to choose for my text tone. It'll be one of the two. I know one. That one for will be
1: your life wife, life. and then one for everybody else.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll just make one a ringtone, so it'll just play consecutively. <laughs> that might get annoying though. <laughs>
1: You know, like any other uh, bad guys, you know, they tend to kind of monologue quite a bit there. And we learn a lot from David Lopan, But one thing that's a little hard to believe is that he's been waiting for like 2,000 years for a Chinese girl with green eyes. um, Because right. he has to like appease some demon. Uh, it's a bunch of like mumbo jumbo. And I'm kind of, I'm feeling like Jack here. I'm just like, what? <laughs> you know, to gain your, I mean, to get your mortality back or something or kind of just... Benjamin Button back to a younger self. <laughs>
0: right. Um, I, I As part of that, you know, I did think it was really funny how um, not only did he have the girl with the green eyes, but he also had another girl with green eyes that both passed the, um, what is it, the light sword? The, the, the burning blade? The burning blade, yeah. And, and I just thought it was so funny. He was like, they was have just both. just the two? <laughs> yeah, he's like, they have both passed the burning blade. I will marry them both. (laughs) I was like, well, there's also that idea. He's like, I will sacrifice the one Gracie to the demon. And I was like, well, your plan could possibly work out for you. If someone doesn't stop you.
1: I wonder how this could have, um, it turned out, if this actually was made the way they had intended, which was a western, and you know, mm. you get a little, you know, some of the elements of that too. But I do wonder, you know, may- maybe they do the remake as a western and like still... as
0: a a period piece western, like old West yeah, Western? yeah, like like okay. in the eighteen
1: hundreds. But it was supposed to still have like all of these uh, mysticism and all and all of that. Uh, but I think. The studio was was like no, let's bring in somebody else to kind of doctor this up and make it more modern. And so they fired like the original guy and then um and made it, you know, made it what it is now. So you
0: know, it's interesting that you said Clint Eastwood was going to play that you said Clint Eastwood was going to play um Check. Kurt Russell's part, which is yeah. seems crazy to think about it now, but then if you said that it was supposed to be set in the old west, then I guess you know, I guess that kind of makes a little bit of sense as to why they would go that direction with it, because Clint Eastwood in this role in any other capacity just seems so far off. But you never know. I, I mean, I guess that's just one of the things, you know, one bit of uh, uh, urban lore, I guess, if you will, with the role is that uh, Kurt Russell actually had turned down the role of Connor McCloud and Highlander to do All this right. movie.
1: That's right. Yeah, and I, read that. I
0: always, I always remember that, thinking like, man, either way, because Highlander too is another cult classic movie that didn't really, you know, take off initially, but it did later on. And, but I just, I, I, I think I just prefer him in Big Trouble in Little China. I know it's, it's easy to say that because that's what's been done, but trying to picture him in, in Highlander just didn't. I mean, it just doesn't seem like a very.
1: Kurt Russell's role. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: And I know he can play tough. He's done that before, but I don't know. I just I think he made the right call with this one. <laughs> Speaking as so, his too. personal manager. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. Um so they try to make an escape after they uh get Gracie Eddie and all of them back. I do like this uh this fight scene where they're trying to escape, and I think it's when Jack tries to open up this door, and he's like, all right, this is what we're going to do, blah, 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 blah. They open it up, and it's like one of the gangs right behind the door, and he closes it back up. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is where I kind of found out that, okay, so Wang knows martial arts. This is really um, the first time we actually see him display that, but Jack didn't know about the safety on the, was it a Uzi or something that he was?
0: Yeah, the Uzi. <laughs> yeah,
1: on that. And Eddie, apparently he's killed before because... When, when uh Jack shoots somebody, you know, like his reaction, Eddie's like, what, is that the first time you plug somebody? As <laughs> if, like, Eddie, is that something you do on the on the regular? Like, you just right. ask him all nonchalant? Sure, of course. Well, he, he didn't know how to turn on that gun.
0: That was a great scene. He's like, well, it's okay. Y'all can go away because I think they only saw me. <laughs> <Right? You know?
1: laughs> it was pretty and, good. You know, it
0: was just, oh, gosh. And just all the little things that Kurt Russell does whenever, you know, he shoots up in the air as his, you know, his battle cry but then some of the brick breaks off and hits him on the head and knocks him out for about a good five to ten minutes of the battle was hilarious and then when the uh, samurai warrior is going to attack him and he just kind of by accident has the knife attached to his boot and the guy falls onto the he falls onto the blade and kills him but yet he's just stuck laying on kurt russell bent you know with his knees bent and he's like ah shit you know like <laughs> he can't get up like that stuff was so great i love how they said okay look you're not the hero in this you're kind of the goofball sidekick more or less and we're gonna really play it up and i'm glad that they didn't yeah i mean granted if you want to you know get into how lopan was defeated he does do something that very uncharacteristically of Jack Burton accomplishes with a bit of knife throwing. And, um, I did think that was kind of funny, but he even was surprised by it. So it was almost as if it was just a lucky shot that he was able to take out low there at the end. Um, uh, but yeah, it just, it, it's so, it's just such a fun, fun movie. <laughs> I also like how, uh, let me ask you something. Do you think that, um, the scene where uh, Wang is fighting, I guess, I don't know if it's thunder or lightning. I or... think
1: that one was rain.
0: Rain, okay. Yeah. And so when they're I- – I love the visual. It's one of my favorite visuals of the whole movie is when they're jumping and they're like flying in the air side by side and – you know, hitting the swords against one another and just that visual image of them. I mean, that that seems very uh, Dragon Ball Z, you know, just very anime yeah. style, you know, where you have a lot of mid-flight fighting and stuff that seems to go on for a long period of time. And I just, I always love that visual and you see their faces like yelling at it, you know, like screaming as they're hitting the swords. I just, man, that's one of my favorite shots in the whole movie. It's just so fun.
1: It's a really good one. And I... In my opinion, I think that's supposed to kind of maybe play homage to like the, the old school Chinese movies where they do right. a lot of stuff like that. You know, right. a lot of the, you know, like uh, uh, 740s. I don't know how, I don't know math. You know, but when you just spin numerous times like in midair and, yeah. uh, you know, because Rain himself has long hair. So I, I feel, you know, that that might be a nod to those. Um mm-hmm. You know, and also obviously the egg shen versus, uh, Lopan, you know, the f- Chinese force fighting. Uh, that was pretty cool too. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned the, uh, the, when, when Jack, you know, uh, killed Lopan with the, with the knife, that was, that was his second attempt. So, oh, yeah. you know, That's it true. was a little out of character, but I mean, the first time he got close, but missed him. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, just, just, just another try, you know, and, and he got him. So all in the reflexes, it comes back. Yeah. And also that very knife you mentioned, you brought it up that I completely missed this up until. So this is the first time I, uh, noticed this, uh, in, in, in the rewatch. But when Wang was kicking ass and taking names, right? He was like, <laughs> he was taking like five or six guys. Literally he was taking on yeah. that many guys. And I guess Jack was like lacing up his boots or something. And <laughs> I, I think. Okay. So what I had never noticed before, he reaches for that knife, like he pulls out that knife and it goes flying like off screen. Right. And I, I I never noticed that before, and he's just kind of like, "Oh shit!" Like, th- there goes my knife. Like, <laughs> and yeah. so when he finally comes out, he jumps ah into the frame, and it's like, "Oh, everybody's already, you know, knocked out."
0: So, <laughs> right.
1: Some comedy there. That's a great scene. That's a great moment too. That is good.
0: And you know, surprisingly, like Carpenter again, not known for his comedy, <laughs> but yeah. he does it pretty well in this movie.
1: Uh, what did you think about that ceremony? You know, it it kind of I felt like it slowed the movie down a little bit because this is like the third act already, you know, where we got Thunder, he's you know, he's shirtless and he's doing like all this, you know, weapon moves, exposition. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was kind of cool, but I felt it was a little slow this time around.
0: It did seem like it was an odd way to showcase some further abilities that they have as far as as far as combat goes, you know, cuz we already know that they're awesome with abilities beyond measure so i don't know why we had to dedicate so much time with them you know doing the weapons and stuff um and i guess a lot of that could have been trimmed down and i mean it didn't really need to i mean in all honesty you didn't even really need to do any of it i mean you could have just got right to the battle at that point but i guess to showcase some more physical attributes of the Thunder, rain, light, storm, earthquake, you know, yeah. all of those guys.
1: <laughs> um, I did, there was a moment, I don't know if it was Uncle Chu or Egg Shen, but when they were talking about Lopan, um, they were describing, you know, like a dreamlike, uh, state or, you know, something. I, I, I wish I had written it down because anytime you saw like the young Lopan, that's kind of what it felt like, right? So, like, during yeah. the ceremony, it's kind of, like, it's kind of, kind of, like, you know, dreamy a little bit. You know, it's right. kind of fantastical at this moment, especially, mm-hmm. like, earlier on when you have Miao Yin and Gracie kind of just levitating, you know, mm-hmm. uh, above the floor. Which, by the way, there's one point where they're supposed to be, like, in some sort of trance and Gracie comes out of it for no reason. Yeah, like, right like out Miao of it. Yin, yeah, and then, like, she, you know, and then she goes back to, like, sitting still.
0: Yeah, it's almost as if she was faking it the whole time. Like she yeah. was never really under the spell and she was just kind of, oh, well, I got to go along with the fact that I'm under this supposed spell and just, you know, whenever the moment's right, I can flee or whatever. But that did seem kind of weird because um, when when they're levitating, well, um, Miao Lin she, she opens her eyes long enough to show her that, oh, she's the green-eyed girl and Lopan comes creeping up behind her and just telling her, you know – I I don't know but that that did seem kind of kind of like the spell didn't work but they didn't really explain whether or not she was faking it the whole time or just eh, okay now you need to come out of it so you can help the good guys you know
1: yeah um there there's a moment where like Egg Shen you know they're uh they're gathering around I think beneath some I I think it's actually the same building where they filmed Ghostbusters you know, hmm. the the firehouse, but they have that magic potion, which is supposed to be like a MacGuffin, I guess, because does it does it do anything?
0: No, I mean, it, it, I think it's supposed to relax them, maybe calm their okay. nerves, possibly like like it, it's almost as if they like smoked a joint, but they didn't. You know what I mean? Because like I-, I loved how Wang just has this big smile on his face. Like he's just so happy. he's like, I'm feeling very positive about this, <laughs> you know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs>
1: And then, yeah, Egg Chance is like, it'll make you see things that no one else can see, do things no one else can do. Like, well, it, it kind of worked out for you guys, but it didn't do anything for Jack. <laughs> Maybe
0: because he was bigger than all of them. He needed a higher dosage be. of it or
1: something. I don't You're know. You're probably right. But,
0: but it was funny because it did make it seem like they were going to turn into some kind of Superman or something like that with extraordinary ability or something. But not for Jack. It definitely didn't take to him. <laughs>
1: So the movie kind of wraps up with, um, you know, everything's kind of, kind of all good and well. And Wang actually kind of pays him back triple what what he owed him, which was was a nice gesture. The uh, one thing that I I thought was maybe not cheesy, which I just kind of like. What? Like I've never noticed that before. But before Jack leaves, you know, he's talking with Wang. He's like, "Hey, I'll see you next time." Whatever. They both do the like that gang sign. That that's a gang oh, sign. Okay. Like, what, what are you guys doing? Is that how you guys say bye? Now you like you throw each other at that gang sign.
0: I guess they. I mean, somehow after defeating Lopan had become initiated into this particular game. Okay. Okay. So maybe that's their way of saying, hey, now we're good friends, you know, now that now we're more than just gambling buddies and stuff
1: like members? that.
0: But <laughs> gang members, yeah, we're part of a gang now. And you know, it, it just it, it, I liked how um it, it, again from the perspective of Jack. He's shows up and then he leaves. It's time for him to move on. He's like, uh, the Mad Max of little China, you know, he's just (laughs) moving on out. And, um, but yeah, I, I, that was kind of funny how, but I guess also it could mean like a greeting goodbye. I, I don't know. I'm just, that's the only explanation I have for it. I also, um, before you wrap up the ending, I, I did love the line. Um, You know, I always – another line that I would drop just, you know, randomly throughout my entire life is when Jack is like, if we're not back by dawn, call the president. (laughs)
1: Like, just – what? Really? The president (laughs) of, like, America? Like, United States of – i just I
0: just love that I just it was just such a Jack Burton thing to
1: say, and I, I had a big chuckle because because like <laughs> if you didn't remember that line, you were expecting something completely different,
0: right, you know, like, hey, it's... yeah,
1: if I don't come back, whatever could come after me, you know, like no, call the president, like
0: yeah, what? it's just like I guess at that point he figures, well, we're all screwed, so <laughs> you know, and I just always love that line, it's just such a funny. Like you said, unpredictable line. Like, why would he say that? It's just such a, such a Jack Burton thing. Because he's not Schwarzenegger, or Stallone. Those guys would deliver a punchline that had some weight to it, some, some badassery of sorts.
1: But but he's not he's supposed not Jack- to be in this movie. That's the thing, though. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So that's why when he says that, it's perfect. You know, if we're not backed by Don. Call the president.
1: <laughs> There's a. I I am interested in checking it out and, you know, because I collect the uh, Back to the Future comics, there's actually a Big Trimble Little China uh, comics, too. I don't know how many there are, but I am curious because I think I did see something uh while I was doing a little bit of research that is actually in 2020. So it's actually an old man Burton. So, oh, wow. yeah, I, 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 I think he's fighting some other new villain. But, yeah, I kind of want to see what's up with that and if they mention anybody else.
0: Yeah, that would be awesome. I'm going to look that up. I didn't realize that they had adapted something like that.
1: Now, we uh, we kind of talked a little bit about the remake earlier. Uh, you know, the only thing that it, I don't even want to say for sure, because it just may not happen. It might just be in developmental hell, you know, for, you know, forever. But let's say Dwayne Johnson is Jack Burton. Who, who could you see as like Wang Chi?
0: I don't know. I mean, this could be a good opportunity to cast a new up-and-comer um uh, because i don't know maybe yeah that would be really good um into the badlands right
1: yeah yeah also he was in the most um uh tomb raider Raider. that's right yeah yeah
0: he's he's really really good as a matter of fact i think you just nailed nailed it without i think that would be a perfect pick because he has a really good presence about himself because you know into the badlands is sunny he's very serious but in tomb raider he had more of a comical kind of more of a you know more of a human type character that he was playing and uh, man that would be perfect because wayne doesn't have to be someone who's who's funny and and that's that's kind of the problem with casting uh dwayne johnson as jack like dwayne johnson is just a mass of a man he's pure hero like just jack kind of needs to be feeble and a coward and I mean, he still has some heroism towards him. Like, he stands up against bullies, if you will. But when he realizes he's out of his element, he kind of backs off and thinks, oh, uh, yeah, man, I was just kidding. I didn't, you know, you didn't have to get into all this stuff. But I don't know. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic having Dwayne Johnson playing Jack Burton because unless they switch it up to where he's kind of the badass hero, I don't know. That could they could play off a little odd, but yeah, I think Daniel Wu would be fantastic as wing.
1: I think so too. Yeah. I I really enjoyed him in tomb Raider. Um, Any uh, last thoughts about this? Anything that uh, you want to touch on that we might've missed?
0: Oh, uh, I mean, I mean, there's just always those little tidbits about the film that you can talk about forever. And I mean, I think we, I think we got most of the, most of it cleaned up there. I mean, I just had to get my low-pan sound bites out there. I, otherwise, <laughs> it, it would have been worthless. <laughs>
1: You're going to have to play that the next time you come on, so I'm going to hold you to it.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll have to find
1: it. Uh, so, Stephen, I want to you know thank you um, again you know, for coming on to the show. Um, at this point, why don't you go ahead and just tell the listeners where they can find you, find the show, and maybe something uh, upcoming. You, you mentioned the uh, uh, 100th episode coming up as well.
0: Yes, I did. As uh, mentioned before, I am part of the Screen Addicts podcast with my friends Jeremy and Chris, and um, we are everywhere. We are on Stitcher, we are on Buzzsprout, we are on Apple Podcasts, um, you know, anywhere, uh, Google Play, we're also on a platform there. And uh, we have a big 100 episode coming up, and th- that will be recorded probably this weekend. We're trying to plan it out, you know, nothing too big but just you know i think that's going to be a fun one to watch because our topic is going to be about you know our favorite memories of going to the movies and um and maybe something that you know we're trying to find some topic that really emotionally resonates us and audience members because everybody listens to film podcasts in the back of their mind they have moments of you know when they went to the theaters that made them feel really special maybe it was with somebody you were with. Maybe it was the particular movie that changed your perception of how you watch movies or something that you hated so bad that you'll never forget. It's just, you know, moments that we're trying to capture for this one hundredth episode coming up. And uh as I said before, we are on Twitter at screen underscore addicts a D D I C S. Didn't get that T, but um, you know. And we are also on Instagram as Screen Addicts Podcast. And um, yeah, we have a Facebook group. Just search Screen Addicts and we're all there, man. We're everywhere.
1: All right, and check the um, show notes too if you guys want a quicker access, you know, to like the Twitter accounts and stuff like that. Um, a couple things. I, I just wanted to uh, read a couple reviews that I'm, I'm trying to catch up on, and I'm almost there. So uh, let's get into that real quick. Uh, the very first review I got here is from J Funds One. Um, the title is Love It. Five stars. Really easy and fun to listen to, especially while gardening, uh, which is my podcast listening to time. So, uh thank you Fun's one I've I've never thought about that gardening. Well, I've I've actually mowed the lawn and listened to podcasts, so it's, I guess it's <laughs> yeah. no different. It's a little bit Me hard too. to listen with the uh the uh, lawnmower. And uh the next one is from a good friend of mine, uh, Justine, from uh it's about damn crime. Uh she says the best, five stars. This podcast is so entertaining and you get to hear about all your favorite movies. Plus Peter is just amazing. He has the best guest from your favorite podcast. That could be a biased statement, but we choose not to think so. If you haven't given this podcast a listen, we one hundred percent recommend you do. XOXO, Justine and Brittany. So thank you, ladies. Um, again for Weren't maybe they, on
0: the... they were on the Cruel Intentions one with you, right? Yeah, yeah. That, okay, that's exactly I remember it. that. one. Yep. they, they yeah, were so really, really good.
1: Their yeah, their show is great. They focus on uh, uh, mainly minority uh, cases, you know. So they are a true crime comedy podcast so don't expect like all seriousness <laughs> there's definitely a lot of levity some maybe some um, drunken uh episodes as well uh, so it's a First. lot of fun yeah they um they were on the selena episode and also full yeah. cool intentions and we actually tweeted out to ryan of uh, uh philippe i mean i looked it up one time i forgot how you pronounce it but ryan we tweeted philippe. at him yeah yeah we we're like uh, was that your butt in the, like, the swimming pool scene? And he actually, uh, replied. He's like, uh, yeah, of course it's mine or something. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're friends now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of, kind of cool. cool. So thank you, ladies. Yeah. Definitely uh, check them out if you guys are into true crime. Um, but to, Contact me. I do have an Instagram and Twitter. It's at Podstalgic. Um if you want to uh you know continue the conversations that we have. Um I do have a group page on Facebook as well. It's called Podstalgic and Friends. Uh it's newer, so just uh search for Podstalgic and Friends, uh send a request, I'll let you in. And basically in there, all I do is you know, I'm not trying to like keep it active and have people participate or anything like that. All I'm doing is I'm posting any episode I do, whether I host it or I'm a guest. And, you know, if you want to check it out, cool. If not, you know, it's there. If you ever, you know, are looking for something else to listen to, uh, it's just a one-stop shop for all of my content. I, I was just trying to make it easier for people, uh, that are interested in listening to the stuff that I do. So, um, yeah, if you guys haven't done so, please consider leaving an iTunes review. Uh, that really help out the show. Uh, and also, if you guys check out Screen Addicts or it's about damn crime, you know, help us all out. Leave some, uh, reviews. And if you don't want to write anything, you can also just do a star rating. You know, anything helps. So, um, Stephen, I want to thank you again. You know, clearly you're going to be, uh, back for more 80s, maybe some, uh, some 90s stuff as well, uh, oh, yeah. in, in the near future here. So, uh, thank you guys again for, uh, your continued support. Uh, four years is approaching and I want to thank, uh, each and one of you that has supported me along this way. It's been, uh, uh, a long journey and i i've enjoyed it so uh we'll see you guys next time and i'll do it
0: you can feel- Thank you for listening to the Cortem Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Cortem Parts shows, visit cortemparts.com.